enormity of, of their flat brain, the enormity of their stupidity is just overwhelming. You have to do yourself a favor when you're out in the countryside and you see chicken. Try to look a chicken in the eye with great intensity and the intensity of stupidity that is looking back at you is just amazing. Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network, a fine network, Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. I'm Jay Eskeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me as always, as Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Next to him, it's the bearded one, my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Ayo! Ayo! And last but not least, over yonder, super producer, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Let's try and not be chickens here today <laughs> so dumb shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on youtube we love to see it like the vid comment away subscribe 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 get your no dunks merch over at nodunks.com we got lots of new t-shirts available you can get them in hoodie form as well we had a new no buns podcast that just went up it's available on youtube and apple and spotify just search for the athletic baseball show to hear tass and joel take stock of what's going on one month in to the MLB season, you know? Who's hot, who's not, and all that good stuff. That's how you promo that thing. There you go. Skates, good stuff. Yeah, ML, the M- early season MVP from both leagues. We talked about odd stories. We talked about home run celebrations. We talked, we talked about baseball. <laughs> all right. For the first time in a while, we actually talked about baseball. I'm definitely checking this one out because I have not been keeping up on the uh, baseball standings. So this is the perfect pod for me and probably for you out there as well so again search for the athletic baseball show to hear Tass and Joel talk about the American game (laughs) Uh, tomorrow night (laughs) NBA watch party on playback Lakers dubs game two we're gonna get into game one in a second here but yeah Thursday night 9 p.m. Eastern start time not bad for a West Coast game so join the boys on playback as we all watch together game two between the Lakers and Warriors, and I will make sure to include that uh, that link to playback to this actual stream or this viewing party in the show notes. But let's get into last night's games, because we had some more great ones. Anthony Davis, he lifts the Lakers to the, to the victory in game one, obviously gives them the 1-0 series lead on the road uh, in a pretty incredible performance from him the big guy going for 30 23 five assists and four blocks as they held on in the end uh with that warriors late rally to get the victory this is a series the bigs versus the littles anthony davis (laughs) uh, surprised me with the way him and the lakers guarded the warriors he was just planted in the lane he didn't move at all uh he, he he, There's enough said, non-shooters sometimes out there for the Warriors. Yeah, uh, yeah. When it, when it's Kevon Looney is out there, he, he ain't moving. He was. I just was surprised. He he did say at the end, I should have been out more on the shooters when they went small and the non-shooters were out of the lineup. But uh, he, they were extremely smart in keeping him preserved in this one game where they do have a rest advantage. He said coming in, it was a must-win, and I. He played like it. Uh, the, the first half, they got out uh, slowly, and, and the, the Warriors got out to that lead. Uh, but, yeah, he just took it upon himself to score. He feels like he's unstoppable. He is too quick uh, for Kevon Looney when they're going one-on-one. And uh, he was planted in the lane. And it, it is, it's a telling stat when the Warriors put up 53 threes, and they, sh- they shot a great percentage from out there, shooting 40%. They shot the exact same percentage in the paint, essentially. R- very, very similar percentages in the paint and from the three-point line because Anthony Davis was, was there. Uh, he was a-, a monster in that first half on both ends. Uh, it, 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 I think it's uh, easy to, to look at his line and say, whoa, that's awesome. But he was just great in the first half scoring he had 23 in the first half and then only seven after uh but he was just nine of ten hanging out in the lane and he was like a garden gnome like the the law the key was his lawn mm. and you can move him around in that lawn but not outside it like you're not putting him on the pavement uh he was just he was just there uh and they went on that 14-0 run the the warriors did as he said yeah. when they decided to go a little small 
And That's when he looked the most gassed, too. Yeah. There was a stretch in this game, because he played the entire second half, I believe. Mm, 44 minutes. And there was a stretch, especially when they went small, where it's like, you can watch him. The feet are starting to drag, and you can't really blame him. He he is a big guy. It's a lot different for your curries and, and your pools <laughs> and your clays even to run around and go wild. But, yeah, these big guys are asking a lot uh, in an up-and-down game. Uh, but then he sort of found just enough left in the tank, I thought, in the final couple minutes to uh, – to discourage shots or at least chain shots at the rim, which he did entire, through the entirety of the game. Yeah, they need a new stat. Only four blocks for Anthony Davis right. last night, so scares. Yeah. He must have had 100 scares last yeah. night because there were so many times that the Warriors were getting inside, but then they saw Anthony Davis and either it was a pass out, a pump fake, or a bit of a rush shot. You even saw it with Steph Curry. When is the last time you saw Steph Curry have a 12-foot floater blocked? That was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but a dominant performance for AD. That's what they need every single night. He's got to be the best player on the court if they're going to win. And if you're putting up stats that put you on a list with Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Shaq, that's pretty good. I assume George Mikan is on the list, but they didn't track rebounds back then. But uh, a 30-23, and 23, that's pretty good. But like you're saying, Skeets, probably the big number is 31-50. Anthony Davis played the last 31 minutes and 50 seconds yeah. of this game without subbing out. Obviously, there was a halftime, but the extra days off paid off for AD. He was incredible. Yeah, and he slowed down a little in the second half scoring. As we said, he started taking a couple threes. Yeah. He wasn't in the lane as much, but he got third quarter D'Angelo Russell to help him out. That's what he does. I think they know. <laughs> Just give D'Angelo Russell the ball in the third quarter. Let him cook a little bit. And as much as D'Angelo Russell got cooked at the end of that 14-0 run to tie the game, 130 left, he kind of lost Steph a little bit on, on a reset by Steph. He buried the three. The place is going nuts. It's a 14-0 run. D'Angelo Russell calmed everything down. They couldn't yeah. score for minutes. And D'Angelo Russell went right back at Steph and scored inside. So it's, it's great chess stuff here. Uh, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell... Inserted in the game because they can't score. Steph hunts him down. They score, but D'Angelo Russell scores on the other end. And uh, yeah, Russell, uh, Russell. I want to call Anthony Davis Bill Russell. I mean, he was he was awesome out there. He was just so freaking good. And uh, yeah, he does have to be their best player. And he was on the floor for everybody. I mean, it was a little flashback to the beginning of the the 2020 Finals when he was the best player before LeBron got the. MVP trophy. He was the best player for those mm-hmm. those first couple games. I thought there was a great point from Sean Powell at NBA got, NBA.com about this game too. Because Looney and Draymond, the, the Warriors' functional big men, they're so mild offensively, AD and LeBron are like never going to be really in foul trouble. Uh, they shouldn't be against those guys because they're not putting pressure on you like at the rim really scoring. LeBron and AD, they play a combined 84 minutes. They had two fouls. I mean, that's going to be com- a bit and, of an issue. Yep. And they complained about the one at the <laughs> right, end. There. They sure did. <laughs> I don't want to foul on me, <laughs> sure Davis. Yeah. He, knows, he knows he has to stay on the floor. Uh, let's talk about the math, and then we'll talk about pool shot, because those are big, big talking points from this game. <laughs> the math, though, and you've probably heard it by now or seen it, the Warriors bomb away here in game one. They made 21 threes to the Lakers' six. That's a 45-point advantage from beyond the arc. But the Lakers win the paint battle by 30 points. So that leaves, if you're doing the math here, 45, and you got the 30, that leaves the Warriors at plus 15 until you account for the Lakers' 25 made free throws to Golden State's 5. That's plus 20 for the Lakers, and plus 5 overall, and that is the exact margin of victory, 117, 112. You said it, Tass, it's the bigs versus the smalls, and it's sort of fascinating to see, at least in Game 1, how that played out, Trey, where it's just Warriors bombing away from three, can't score inside, they don't get to the line a whole lot as it is, and then the Lakers is the flip of that, where it's like pressure on the rim, living at the line, that's sort of what they do, uh, but not hitting a ton of threes. It's crazy. It it was weird to see, because, like, I mean, those are the three points out there. The three-pointer, that extra point, and the free throws, that extra point, uh... At least a little tip of the cap to the Warriors, not complaining about the free throw. Disadvantage, basically admitting, yeah, this was completely on us. They were timid around AD, so they weren't drawing fouls on him. They weren't drawing fouls on LeBron. And then obviously the Lakers were trying to get the ball inside, and they were doing a really good job with that. So I think uh, in game two, A, the Warriors need to be a little bit less scared of Davis. Try and draw a foul on him. Give him a pump fake. You'll get a call uh, after the way game one went. And number two, the biggest issue is that Dennis Schroeder took 10 free throws. You can live with Anthony Davis yeah. taking eight free throws. LeBron took four. Those are small numbers for those guys. But 10 for a guy like Schroeder allowed him to score 19 points and stay on the court. That's the real problem. 
the Warriors just got to find out a way to <laughs> to do something inside. They have to have some sort of a presence on the interior. And then you heard it so many times from Stan Van Gundy and from Steve Kerr. We got to defend without fouling. They were too reachy on Schroeder last night. Ten free throws is, <laughs> is honestly crazy for a guy off the bench. Yeah, they were definitely in a different zone than the way they were guarding the Kings. <laughs> they didn't have to guard number one, the paint, and then also have to fly around. Uh, they had, they got, you got to guard everywhere with Anthony Davis the way he was playing. Um, I didn't expect Jared Vanderbilt to be the guy on Steph Curry. I didn't think he could navigate screens at 6'8 that way, but he was great at catching up, um, even if he got behind a little bit and showing the length. He was their primary guy, and then Dennis Schroeder was the the backup sort of guy, and D'Angelo Russell in breaking case of emergency. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that if you're, <laughs> if you're the uh, Lakers, but Vanderbilt was awesome. At, at slowing Steph down, he, he was the, great. He was so good. I was so surprised that that they were able to to handle Steph. But then they decided, like they had to in in Kings Game Seven, they decided pick and roll up top. So we don't have you know forget the running around screens and, and we'll figure it out from there. And that's how they stretched out Anthony Davis a little bit. And that's how they made that fourteen zero run and tied the game. Right, Kerr. He does seem to hate running the offense through Curry as like the sole creator but he will do it when it calls for it and like you said game seven against the kings a perfect example and he went to it here in this one it obviously unlocked them a little bit in in addition with uh, draymond sort of as your five so going a little faster so now i wonder what kerr does here uh in maybe a must win game two i don't know if you want to go that far but like will it be more like we saw the curry in game seven versus the kings where it's like just give them the ball and stop worrying about running them around like crazy. We can just get them loose a little bit more. That's going to be a much more difficult guard for a Vanderbilt or, yeah, a Schroeder or whoever. Uh, and then there is that weird, like, Looney grabs a ton of rebounds in this one. He was okay. But we see the Warriors with Draymond the Five. We've seen it for years upon years upon years, uh, how effective it can be. But it's like, can you do it the whole game? Are you going to get destroyed inside even more? Um, fascinating decision here, I think, from Kerr, both of those decisions. Yeah, but they already got destroyed inside and gave up a ton of free throws, so you might as well go for the offense forward look. That's always what the Warriors do. When they feel stress, they go small. So I kind of think it'll be Looney coming off the bench, Draymond starting on AD, uh, and then try and get a lot of shots up because if you're playing small and if Poole is shooting as well as he did in this game up until that final shot, he was playing really, really well, and the Warriors were flowing. Their fix is easy. It's always just give Steph the ball more. It's <laughs> the simplest way to fix something if you're the Warriors. Just give it to the best guy and let him do some stuff. But if you've got Poole on the court and he's playing well, you got other shooters out there with Clay, Curry, Draymond making plays. There's a little bit of responsibility for Wiggins. He's got to be huge on the glass in yeah. that scenario, which he yeah. was pretty good in the fourth quarter. But if you're playing Poole, that makes it tough to keep Jared Vanderbilt on the court. Makes it tough to put D'Angelo Russell on the court. And I think that that's why you saw their defense fall off the Lakers a little bit because Vanderbilt couldn't stay on the court when they needed to go small. So surely the Warriors will realize that, yeah, we got to go small. That's what we always got to do. <laughs> Let, let's talk about the Jordan Poole shot at the end. Um, Lakers wisely double Steph in transition. You know, no timeout called by Steve Kerr and the Warriors. They need a three to tie here. After this huge run to get back into the game, yeah, there was a couple answers from the Lakers, but we uh, they're down three, the Warriors are. And Steph gives up the ball to Draymond. Draymond very quickly swings it to Poole, and Poole sees, you know, that no one's near him. Maybe he doesn't realize how far he's out. Maybe he does. And he lets it rip from, I don't know what you want to call it, I don't know what it is in the box score, 28, 29 feet, right. something like that. A damn deep here. shot. And he misses it, and that's sort of the game after uh, the Lakers ice some free throws. What did you think about the pool shot selection? Because people are going back and forth. I mean, you saw it on Twitter last night. I'm sure they're talking about it on every debate show here. You know, hey, you live with that shot. You hit a bunch of threes. That's pool. Or, oh, my God, you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. What are you doing? Curry call a timeout. All of you know this blowback to that particular shot attempt. Where does Tess Mellis fall on the Jordan Poole pull? Well, Steph definitely wanted to take that shot. <laughs> but He was upset. <laughs> but Yeah, and he didn't want to give the ball up, um, but he had no choice. They they trapped him yep. uh, at basically midcourt. So you, In transition, that was, that was heads-up defense there. you got to give it to the Lakers there. Totally agree. Darvin, yeah. Darvin had him. Had him going. Uh, following the game plan. Get it out of his hands. Draymond. 
I guess made the right move. I think you probably could have waited a second and given it back to Steph and just tried to see if he could cook. Uh, I think I think there was enough time to yeah. to try and figure that out. And Jordan was six of ten from three at that point. Amazing stat, but give it back. Uh, find a way, at least try. You got to at least try to give it back. I think because there's time. I mean, he was wide open, and they're playing they're playing four on three. But also, why are you five feet behind the line? That's far. What? Why? <laughs> why was he there? Like, why? I don't get the reason. It was transition. Why. That's where he was. He was just jogging off the court. That's where mm-hmm. he was. Yeah. But if you're ready to shoot, I mean, there's nobody, nobody in front of him. Um, he should have been closer to the, the three-point line. Yeah, I guess he could have <laughs> taken a dribble in. Uh, I think if I think if Draymond does anything, if he dribbles the ball, they're going to foul him. Uh, and then you're either resetting the play or sending Draymond to the line. I don't remember if they were in the bonus, but there's a reason he got rid of the ball. Um, I don't know. You want Steph Curry to take the shot. <laughs> yeah. But also, we just watched the end of uh, the Bucks season. Couldn't get a shot off. We just watched the end of uh, a Celtics loss against the Philadelphia 76ers where they threw the ball to Tyrese Maxey because nobody wanted to take the shot. Poole, he'll take the shot. Yeah. But unfortunately, he'll also take the shot. So, I don't know. Uh, They probably weren't going to get a better look. Steph was on the complete other side of the court. Uh, And everybody knows he's the guy who's going to shoot it. Joe Mazzula probably would have let him get open, but not last night. Uh, So, I don't know. I kind of think Poole had to take it. Maybe he should have been closer to the hoop, right. but that's where he caught it and shot it. And he just hit a huge shot right before. Yeah. Well, well he, he had missed the one the in the lane. He had missed the one in the lane where right. he just. I thought that, that was a up. worse shot. Right. It was like shot a, clock was ex- coming down though. Yeah, but it was a. It wasn't a pool shot. No. I mean, he was trying to hit a left-handed yeah. lay- layup from ten feet, and I thought that one was the the more egregious shot. But uh, yeah, you could you could say it just shows that every series is a new series. Jordan Poole had his best playoff game here in Game Eight of the playoffs after yeah. having a, a real tough series, but he looked awesome. And in the second quarter, I mean, he kept this thing together. He feels great against the Lakers, so I can understand why he took it. No problem with it. I do think if you're ready to shoot, I mean, get get to the line. The, the other part is the way he let it rip made it feel like there was one second left yes. and there was more time yeah. to like Plenty. even a hell a timeout could have been called and you could have then maybe unlocked a curry or even a clay or whatever something in the corner but uh it's pool so he feel he was feeling himself in this game and he lets it rip and after the game you know Kerr doing i guess the thing you have to do like oh yeah you know we're gonna live with that shot that's a great shot he can hit that shot it's not that far for him you know stuff like that he's not gonna say the opposite that's what curry said as well yeah that's what tyrese halliburton said he did, that's right. Channing Fry said no. <laughs> yeah. You better pass it back. Well, here's the issue, right? It's it's fine. He was open. Maybe it's a little too deep, all that. But no matter what shot Jordan Poole or any other player on the floor takes, everybody else would still prefer Steph Curry with four guys draped all over him to take the shot because he's the greatest shooter of all time. And he has yeah, yeah, That's so that I mean, he's like he's sort of in a can't win situation unless he bangs that three from 28, 29 feet, whatever the hell it was. So, uh, yeah, they obviously wish they had it back. Could have called the timeout because they had two of them, I believe. But pool, let it go, and uh, the Lakers pull out this victory. And uh, it's interesting to hear that that fit, they felt like in a weird way it was like a must-win game one for them because of that little uh, break in the schedule that they wrapped up their series in six, and the Warriors had to go seven. Yeah, with the. Uh... The game's going every second day now. No break in that. They did have a couple extra days, which should benefit the oldies. I mean, that's it's you know Anthony Davis's old young legs and LeBron James, and I think LeBron, uh, it, it, despite you know hanging out at the three point line a lot of the night uh, and, and not having a great night shooting the three, one of eight. When the Warriors do go small, and when they did in this one, he he licks his lips looking at Andrew Wiggins. He knows he's stronger than him. And so that would be the advantage. I can't wait to see that. Uh, if if we get more more LeBron in the lane, because I think he'll 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 definitely feel comfortable doing that. And and you saw him do that uh, trying to overpower Wiggins at times. But this is a, a great great chess game right here. Uh, I'll tell you, LeBron's pretty happy that Jordan Poole missed that deep three because that was a bad shot. He had too. a travel late in the game. LeBron did. Shout out to Ed Malloy. He missed a free throw. That was a throw. good travel call. Late in this game, he obviously struggled once again from three. What'd you say? One for eight? One for eight. What is he shooting from distance in the playoffs? Like uh, He was five for 36 coming into oh. this, I think, right? So yeah, here, I'll do it real 34. quick. Six for 44. Well, yeah, he's shooting 18% from three in the playoffs, and they've won 
five out of seven games. <laughs> it's pretty crazy uh, with him struggling that bad. Yeah, his best game was three of eight shooting in the first game against the Grizzlies. And then one of eight, 0 for 4, 1 of 7, 1 of 9, 2 of 5, I guess is better than three of eight uh, percentage-wise, and then one of eight uh, last night. Three blocks, though. Yep. LeBron was saving it for defense, and that was very helpful because he was making some great transition plays, I thought. Um, and I don't know. I mean, he seemed to be moving better. I thought in this game it looked like he had some pop with a little bit of time off. Uh, but, yeah, if it's a if it's a small ball game for the Warriors, LeBron versus Wiggins matchup is going to be huge because yeah. Wiggins has to be big on the glass. Wiggins has to be more aggressive looking to score. And, honestly, like, he should try and run LeBron into the ground, like going through screens, moving off the ball, that kind of stuff. Make LeBron chase him, gets him out of the lane, and wears LeBron down a little bit. Any other thoughts on an entertaining game one? Uh, in the bay there, which felt like felt like a bigger game, I got to be honest, than game one of a second round, you know, with all of the star power and these two like yeah. iconic franchises. It's pretty cool. It did. Felt like a movie in many ways. Uh, I thought uh, just the way the the floor looked. It's their you know their their third floor um, and the color schemes and the sh- camera angles getting behind getting on the floor behind. Uh, LeBron and doing his powder thing, but also you could see the Warriors at the same time right beside LeBron. Yeah, it did feel big, and uh, I guess they they were focused on getting this dub. Uh, the Lakers were. You gotta assume that the Warriors feel well. Well, feel better after Game Two. You think the Warriors gonna win a home game, uh, but they've lost their last two home games. Um, so that's that's strange. Yeah, very very wild. Uh, well, we'll be watching Game Two, like I said, on playback on. Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Trey, any uh, anything else from this one? Random notes or anything? Uh, my only little note here is, like, what a weird D'Angelo Russell game. I feel like he made a lot of really timely shots, but also missed multiple wide-open layups. It was kind of like the full Russell experience. Uh, but he made the shots that he needed to make, and Poole missed his. And that's kind of what it came down to. Yeah. 19 points in the end, yeah. 6 assists, and the bit like you said, that big, big shot after Curry had tied it up. He was up. good when they needed him. That was a big one in the post there. It's like he just like, you know, there, there was a lot of talk of, you know, when Conley went to the to the um, to the Wolves and sort of D'Angelo Russell being replaced and stuff like that and how that would be so much better. And I get it. It's like Conley's such a steadying guy. But D'Angelo Russell has the ultimate highs and lows where he has higher highs than a guy like Conley at this point in his career will ever get to. But he has a bunch of like boneheaded plays where someone like a steady vet like Conley won't make. So it's like, huh? You know, which one can you live with? Maybe when you got LeBron and AD, That's what you it can is. deal Heats. with this. Yeah, You need the explosiveness. Yeah. You need somebody else who can handle the ball and make a play for himself or for others. There was one where he was, like, shaking and baking, hit a crazy step back, and you're like, LeBron is wide open for three at the top of the key. But it didn't matter because mm-hmm. uh, LeBron couldn't shoot and Russell could. Uh, if you're the Lakers, you've got the guys who are smart and can get organized when you need to. That's LeBron. Uh, that's Austin Reeves sometimes. That's even Dennis Schroeder a little bit. Whereas if you're the Timberwolves, <laughs> you want a vet. You got yeah, enough, no, you got enough crazy guys there, so it ended up playing out perfectly for both these teams. All right, let's move on to the uh, first game from last night. Uh, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle helped the Knicks beat the Heat 111-105 to even the series. No Jimmy Butler in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walking around NYC, just trolling us. Uh, but the Heat almost pulled it off, even without Jimmy Butler, even, of course, without Tyler Hero. Uh, New York staved off an incredible effort there from that Miami team missing those guys. What were your takeaways from this one in Game 2 in the Madison Square Garden? That the Knicks were friggin' lucky to pull this one out. That they scored 35 points in that fourth quarter. It it seems like no one will ever lead by double digits in this series. It's going to be super (laughs) close. And I was just surprised to see three after three go down for this Knicks team that came in uh, shooting poorly from three throughout their series against the Cavs and then in Game 1. And then they started raining down, so it felt it felt weird. And I do say lucky because I, I, I'm, I'm concerned for them going into Game Three with their their current lineup construction. Uh, and even though Josh Hart was hit a couple big threes from the corner, they have two non shooters when they start the game with Josh Hart and Mitchell Robinson, and I think that really clogs things up for uh, for Jalen Brunson. So. The Heat got to feel extremely confident, and, and Hart plays differently at the beginning of games because he's not in the corners, so I think that's what clogs it up. But, but they were somehow able to withstand that clogging because Julius Randle looked great, even from the first possession. 
they're starting to play inside out, which they need to do. Uh, and this Heat is offense is just too good just to you know, start the offense way up top. And R.J. Barrett um, banging home threes. So I, I think they kind of got just got a great three point shooting night, and we're a little lucky uh, to be split here. Uh, I, I just don't don't see everybody starting so hot and and being able to maintain that although you know they took turns and Jalen Brunson you know did a, a sort of the opposite of AD in game one he was slow to start this game mm-hmm. and decided all right I'm turning this thing on and and he was awesome he was six of ten from three uh, so I, I'm a little concerned about um, the starting lineup for the Knicks but I like how they they went four shooters to get this thing done with Quentin Grimes uh, ending the game what do you think, TK? I know you had a tweet about Scott Foster playing a part as well. <laughs> the extender, oh. making sure this one's going fine. Yeah, this was a clutch game from Scotty here. Uh, down six, the Knicks are with 6.42 left. That was the corner three. With Brunson getting the call for a three-pointer, I think it's Bam runs through a screen from Hartenstein yeah. on the baseline. Close call. Oh, very close. Very close call. Honestly, like the shot went in. The points are on the board. I feel like... They probably got this one right. It was like, <laughs> did Bam make contact and instantly that's when the foul should have been called? Or was it when he went overboard and finally got yeah. Hartenstein falling over and that was the foul? I don't know. The and then when do made. you consider Brunson in the shooting oh, motion? Totally. It's like, how totally. low does it have to be or how high, I guess I should say, does it have to be for you to consider that? Yeah. It was not a not conclusive, I suppose, yeah. when they went to the board to see. So fine by me, but if I'm the Heat, I would obviously be pretty upset yeah. about it. And... Turned out to be a TSN turning point, according to basically everybody in the game. Down three, three minutes left, is uh, the Caleb Martin shot yep. from the right wing. <laughs> Who knows? It looked like it grazed the front of the rim. Gabe Vincent grabs the near air ball, puts it back in. That one was definitely wrong. They didn't even go back and review that one. So I thought yeah. that was a botched job there. Yeah, but, uh, it was. It was. I'll was admit in real time on the angle, you know, the game angle we always see, I, yep. I wasn't sure. But yeah, then you not. saw the overhead, and yep. it was pretty blatant that it hit the rim. Mm-hmm. And they're all going, hit the rim. Jim right Jackson here. called it right away. Yeah. Yep. You can tell. Uh, so that one should have been looked at. But I, I feel like the three one, that was... That's just how they called it on the floor, so that's how it's got to stay on the floor. But that, uh, that wasn't neither of those. I really thought lost the game for the Heat. But if you're a Miami Heat fan, it probably feels like those completely lost the game for you. But I'm with you, Tass. Randall was awesome in this game. He's an easy guy to overlook just because he has so many ups and downs, even quarter to quarter. Yep. But he was big time, especially in the second half of this one. Jalen Brunson said, "I'm going to be better in game two, and he was. He made six threes. That was big time. The Heat had a chance. They were making it really close because they made it super ugly. They're going zone all the time. They're basically challenging the Knicks to beat them from three, and the Knicks beat them from three. That's yeah. what you got to do. So shout out to New York actually showing up. And I actually like the way they used R.J. Barrett in this one. He's kind of like a reverse sixth man. He starts the game. Go get buckets, man. He doesn't do anything else. All he does is score baskets. He was hitting threes last night, yep. and then he doesn't close. Because they need somebody who's going to make smart plays and play defense. They got shooting from Hart. They had Grimes out there. There was more space to let Isaiah Hartenstein go wild on the glass. He was big time in the fourth quarter as well. So I thought pretty well-coached game from Thibs. I thought a pretty solid one from the Heat as well. Guys being dudes. Cool. This is what they do. Uh, and then it ended with Jimmy Butler waving to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm almost, I'm almost pumped that it's one-one. Yeah. Where the first game the Knicks don't have Randall, second game the Heat don't have Butler. So let's go here. Now it's a best of five, and hopefully, I know Tyler Hero will not be coming back this series, but for the most part. Uh, you know, we're going to be even here, at least with their stars. They're all stars on both sides of the ball. So it's a best of five, in my opinion, here now, Taz, because mm. hopefully everybody's full strength. Yeah, the the, the Butler edition is uh, monstrous. Uh, you know, you got to assume he'll be pretty damn close to 100%, as, as close as possible. You know he's playing game three. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't care if he walks home from uh, New York. I mean, he's he's playing in Game Three, but yeah, you gotta be scared if you're the Knicks a little bit, you know. See that guy just giggling on his bench and, w- and waving bye to everybody, and in his fits, just look looking stylish and and ready to go home and and take a game. I, I do think yeah, it was a good move by Tibbs to to have some spacing on the floor to end this game. Very, very, very important. Randall can have his way uh, with the, the Heat front line uh, of Kevin Love and, and then Bam. I think he's he's got to be just be big. I think Mitchell Robinson 
has been absolutely horrendous uh, to start uh, this this series. He's he's got to be way better. I mean, he's well, he's he just picked up to. two fouls in the first two three, and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah, first three minutes. But luckily, they have Hartenstein on the bench. He had an incredible he was, game. He was awesome. He made plays all over the place. He was, especially in the second half. And I thought Tibbs, like you know, committed to him too. Like he liked what he was giving him. And Mitchell Robinson was in foul trouble. Went to him again late. Got Mitchell Robinson back in there. But just back to Randall too. You said like that first shift. He's coming off this ankle injury. He had ten points on four or six shooting, three rebounds and two assists in his first shift back. There's something so incredibly New York about Julius Randle when he's in MSG, too, that I love. Uh, I know he's uh, flipped that own crowd, his own crowd off before, but <laughs> you know when he's going, they rally behind him, and I just love it. And I love the play, fourth quarter, about a minute 45 to go. Randle had a smaller guy on him, I forget who it was for the Heat, and he just took his time. He was patient at backing the guy in. He drew the double because the double had to come because he was just going to overpower whoever it was. And he kicked to the corner for the heart three. And it was just like, wow, like that, there's some maturity there. Because I do find that the MSG crowd uh, in these playoff games or in these big moment games, as great as they are, they're maybe the best in the NBA, they actually sometimes backfire for Knicks players because I think they get so hyped that, uh, that a Randall or a Barrett or whoever will like, you'll get caught up in the crowd almost and you'll like go for the kill when you probably could get a better shot. It happened a couple times in this game, but that that one at the end, I was like, damn, that was a hell of a basketball play. Like smart, took his time, didn't panic and hit hit Hart in the corner who knocked that one down. And RJ Barrett may have got caught up in it in game 1 in the at the end of the game. He was you know, forcing it a little I much. I think it happens. And Tibbs yanked him for game 2 as Trey said, it was Hart and Grimes in the corner. Just, just hanging out, and then Brunson, uh, Randall, uh, making it happen with uh, Robinson or, or a Hartenstein setting picks. Uh, so they, they've got something good going uh, for sure. They've got it. Yeah, they've got the rotation. They got the rotation. At least, at least Q Grimes finished the game. That was that was important just for spacing because uh, Randall can't have his way. He's an important player here. Uh, and again, I don't want to take anything away from the Heat, who <laughs> like had this within. Uh, you know, striking distance. I mean, they could have won this game. Oh yeah. I mean, there was a shot like Lowry. I thought Lowry was it was deja vu time, where he like he scored one inside, he had another great assist, and then he had another one that like he had sort of a layup attempt. It was in traffic, but it like bounced in and out. Um, but like Kayla Martin starting twenty two points, eight boards. That's huge. You said Vincent. This guy is a gamer. Like holy crap! Like, he got popped in the face. And then he scored eight straight points. Uh, he had 21. You know, Struess with tw- uh, 17. You had a couple threes. Uh, Duncan Robinson. They had an incredible play call there from Spo late to get that Duncan Robinson three. They're running their play before the ball's even inbounded because Lowry's let it drop. Like, man, they got to feel pretty good without Jimmy Butler to nearly, nearly go up 2-0 and maybe it would have put this series away. But Absolutely. Credit to Brunson and really Randall there coming through late. Uh, Gabe. <laughs> man named Gabe is killing you. Uh, yeah, he's he, he's comfortable taking every shot. Mm-hmm. Every shot. Sometimes you think, okay, is he maybe pulling a little too much or he took 12 threes in this game, but they need it, and he's doing great. And Kyle Lowry, that's some bitch Kyle Lowry. I, I literally think he pushed <laughs> – who was it? Randall? I think it was a Knicks player who was driving in, and he pushed him in the back. And that created the charge call. It's just a great play. Great play. <laughs> he got a charge because he pushed somebody in the back. Uh, he's just doing Kyle Lowry stuff. Without Chris Paul in the playoffs right now with the injury, we need more Kyle Lowry to be doing that Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry type stuff. My only other note from this one, very random, I uh, I smiled to myself when Kevin Love was smiling after Hartenstein threw the uh, full court dime. <laughs> that was Love-like, and we had just had that uh, obviously little short about Kevin Love and his outlet passes in game one, and it was Hartenstein uh, throwing a pretty good one mm-hmm. <laughs> in this game. Then they went to Love on the bench, and he, he seemed to be smiling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Not bad. Ro- Aaron Rodgers in attendance both games. <laughs> Back-to-back jacks. Yeah. Hoops head. I, I guess so. Think he listens? Think he watches? He, he used to go to Bucks games. He was, he was at oh, Bucks games quite a bit. That's a good point. He likes basketball. Does he have game? Do we know? Has there been any footage of him shooting? A um, I'm, just, sure I'm willing to bet he scored 20 a game in high school. He's <laughs> an athlete? <laughs> yes, he's a, a professional athlete. I bet he was good. Uh, anything else from Heat Knicks? Are you a Hartenstein to... or a Hartenstein? Yeah, I, I guess I go Hartenstein. <laughs> Same, yeah. 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 Probably wrong, isn't it? I don't I don't know. Know. That's what basketball reference has as well. Oh, okay. so, yeah. 
I like that we got the Hart brothers uh, <laughs> out there. You, you brought up the zone. I, w- I will be interested to see how much zone the Heat continue to play. They played the most out of every team in the regular season. After the first quarter, they went to a lot of it. Shu pointed out, though, the Knicks had their most efficient game of the playoffs here. 111 points on 91 possessions, even though the Heat were in the zone a lot. Because I thought they did a pretty good job of sort of finding the seams there and uh, moving the ball quickly, which you have to do against uh, a zone. If you can get it from one side to the other, then you're laughing. You're going to get looks. It um, opens up uh, offensive rebounding, too, usually when a team's in the zone. And they pulled down some big ones late. But I wonder how much... Spo continues to go with it, or do you, you, or do you not have to as much if Jimmy Butler's out there, sort of blowing up things defensively? We'll see. Trust the process. Mm. The Knicks are not a good shooting team. Uh, they hit forty percent. They made sixteen of them last night, but uh, they're like probably I don't know. They're probably now over thirty percent at least for the playoffs, but not coming into this series. So you still want them to beat you from the outside, I think. Yeah, I, I but, but the Knicks might feel the same way about the Heat, <laughs> like. Like, oh well, yeah, definitely they like, do. Yeah, because they hit 17 threes. I mean, they they were staying in this game because they were hitting all those threes in the first half. I think they had ten at the half. It seemed like I, I'm trying to check the uh, the heat map, but it seemed like the Knicks were dedicated to taking the corner threes in this one mm-hmm. uh, that RJ Barrett was taking and then Josh Hart was taking. That'll and, be there in and, the zone. Yeah, that'll be there in the zone, and it's definitely the most efficient three. If you remove your above the break threes, and Jalen Brunson started, uh, you know, his first three was from there, so. Smart, smarter threes, um, it feels like. Uh, and just last note from me, talking about all the celebrities there. I guess James Dolan likes John Starks more than he likes Charles Oakley because John Starks basically ran on the floor oh, yeah. one possession. Oh, yeah. He's just like, <laughs> we made a bucket. I'm running on the floor. He like almost bumped the ref. You know, yeah, there was, I think Worldwide Bob have a, had a photo of it. It looks oh, like really? he's like just standing right beside him on the corner. John Starks. Or somebody else had it, yeah. He's just so pumped. And then him in the, uh, the mellow moment. That was him in mellow, right? Uh, Jalen Brunson and Mello, they were like thought, hugging after the game. I saw uh, that. No, I, I think there was two f- former Knicks. Well, yeah, they there was a Mello big shot from and... Brunson. They showed, I think, Starks and Mello. Yeah, yeah they, they showed Mello for sure. But, or man. you're saying somebody went over to Mello, right? That's well, there's like a, a couple of former Knicks. It, it was just was like there, Knicks yeah, yeah. nostalgia porn, essentially. It was like, yeah, <laughs> oh, it was Mello and Mello and not somebody else. Shame you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are you into? Uh, old Knicks players. That's what gets me off. Dave DeBusher. <laughs> uh, honestly, like, I was a little sassy and mellow. Yeah. I was like, I guess he's officially retired. Like, if he's up there as a New York Knicks legend, if he's hanging with Marcus Camby and Patrick Ewing, those guys are retired. So I guess Mello is. Makes me feel old, to be to be quite honest. If he is a Knicks legend right. at this point, I agree he is a legend. But if that's his status... Well said. He still looks well great. That's exactly. He looks he like looks. he could be playing. But then you see him by his son, who's yeah. like, God, this kid's going to be in the league <laughs> yeah. soon. Yeah. It's like, yeah. holy crap, he is old. Uh, yeah, they had all of them out there. Uh, I think Brunson was the first Knicks player to score 30 points in MSG in a playoff game since Melo. That's right. Which I guess makes sense. They haven't been <laughs> in a whole lot of playoff games. But good stuff there from Brunson. He had an awesome game after a really rough start. He turned it on for sure. All right, let's take a break. Dick McGuire wasn't there, was he? <laughs> oh, no, he's passed, unfortunately. <laughs> Dicks and bushes. Uh, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about Joel Embiid winning MVP and the Grizzlies saying, fuck off to Dylan Brooks. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute. But man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
All right, still here in the Classic Factory. Please take a second if you haven't, hit that thumbs up, that like button on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed so you know when we're going live. We really appreciate it. It's official, guys. Sixers center Joel Embiid has finally won the NBA's Most Valuable Player Award, claiming that prestigious-looking trophy after finishing second the past two seasons. What we thought was going to be a tight race, and was through most of the season, uh, ended in a blowout. Embiid got 73 of the 100 available first-place votes. He had 915 total points. Jokic finished second with 15 first-place votes, 674 total, and then not that far behind him, Giannis getting 12 first-place votes and a total of 606 points. So Embiid won in a runaway, Jokic 2, the Greek Freak 3, and then Tatum and SGA finishing fourth and fifth overall, respectively. But uh, way, 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 way behind. Um... What'd you think? Did you catch any of the, um, I don't know what you want to call it, definitely not a ceremony, <laughs> Zoom meeting uh, that they did on Conference TNT? room hang? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where he's obviously on the road getting ready for game two uh, tonight. Yeah, they didn't make it a big deal, really. I mean, yeah. other than filming it. It was like a memo. Like, hey, we got to let you know about something going on <laughs> in the workplace. You've been uh, You've been given the award. For best employee of the month kind of thing. But, <laughs> of the year, really. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Nora was watching this. She was like, what, what is going on here? And I'm like, oh, he just won MVP. She's like, this is what they do for MVP? It's like, what? His, like somebody tell him to fix his camera on his laptop. And Beat's head was like, not a great angle. Too much headspace, huh? Yeah, it was a little strange. Everything's it's- raw. We're on YouTube, just TikToking. You know, we don't. Uh, you don't need to have professional lighting anymore. That's still going to get six million views. Or more, more or whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm just throwing out a I mean, dumb it was number. Nice. Well, the, like the stuff you saw after they go off the air where, you know, Harden's coming up and hugging them and all the Sixers are, uh, you know, chanting MVP and stuff you like did. that. That was cool. That's a No, cool that moment. was the best part. Yeah. That was the best part. But, he, was cry- uh, he was crying throughout it. Like, head down for a yeah. full 60 seconds. Yeah. Um, got me. Got, got me for sure. Yeah, you're yeah. reaching for the Kleenex? No. But uh, got me. Like, I say got me like as in emotionally I felt it, but not not. I'm not balling. Uh, there's a that was cool. I mean, I'm talking about Embiid's story for sure and how he started playing basketball amazing, so late and, and coming over. 16 years old. That's cr- it's feels like a fib. <laughs> oh, you don't believe it? Well, I thought Giannis was the oldest one, but Embiid was older. Yeah, when he took up the sport for yeah. sure. Uh, and then you do – I mean, I forget – this guy like didn't play for the first couple of years in this league. Like it was, yeah. it was the whole trust the process there under Hinky and uh, and has turned into obviously a perennial MVP candidate and finally gets his uh, his first one here after really three years running of playing at that level. He went from YouTubing white guys shooting three pointers <laughs> <laughs> to leading the league in scoring in back to back seasons yeah. and you know multiple top. Three MVP finishes finally winning this one. That's awesome. Uh, good for him. He's also dominant defensively as well. And now we just want to see him back. And it sounds like he's going to be back for game two, which is really cool. Craziest thing to me, though, is looking at the votes, one person left Nikola Jokic off the ballot completely. What's going on? There? Not even a fifth place vote. <laughs> like, okay. Is I that mean, an error? That's got to be. Yeah. An accidental Nikola Jovic vote didn't show up on here. Like, what's going on? Uh, you might not have him at number one, but he should at least be top five, I would think. I would think so. <laughs> yeah, unless you it really was, it was are trying to make a point. It was last month of the season. I will say that. It was ugly. It was that ugly. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I was reading a, you know, a great recap about his, his story, um, and it was on The Athletic. Find website, theathletic.com slash no dunks. And he always says, I learned the game, how to shoot from white shooters as, as a joke. But within The Athletic, uh, he said he learned the game, or the writer Hoffman said he learned the game from Dirk, Jordan, and Kobe. It still hasn't entered the standard article write-up that he learned it from, you know, J.J. Redick and, and Steve Novak and guys like that. So I want it quite hasn't it hasn't quite reached that level. I want that to be part of his uh, eventual Wikipedia page. I love like the part guys. of his whole story where like because he was tall, he thought he might be a volleyball player. He's obviously an athlete, uh, but wasn't playing basketball. That someone's like, you got to come out to uh, Luke Bamute's basketball camp there in in Africa, and he like didn't go the first day. Because he played video games. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, man, I don't really want to. And then eventually goes and then turns into an MVP uh, not all that long later. How old is he? 29? 
29 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty incredible. Guys played basketball for 13 mm. years. Imagine as a volleyball player, man. Yeah. <laughs> be awesome, too. All these old men referencing Joel Embiid <laughs> instead of Karch Karai. We could dream. <laughs> uh, Further down the ballot, yeah. Jake Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, we thought he might get A lot that. of love for making the play-in tournament. Luka Doncic <laughs> dropped out. He was, I mean, Luka was top five MVP candidate through March. Probably. They yeah. gave up at the end. Cost him a fifth place finish. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, how will he recover uh, not being top five? Yeah, it was nice to see. Uh, I mean, most of us thought, yeah, Tatum would be four uh, pretty handily. And then a lot of votes for SGA in fifth there. Because it's like, it's the end of the ballot. It does not matter really at all. Especially in one we thought might be closer, too. This is the weird part. I mean, we thought this thing was going to be... Like, even they played it up on TNT. They're like, okay, Shaq, Charles, you're going to announce the name. And then I, Ernie Johnson, will tell you how close it is. So, of course, okay, it's in Beatle. Wow. And then they open it up. And they're like, oh, it's not that close. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. Um, I will say I want to give some props to the uh, the MVP Michael Jordan trophy. Good Looks one. pretty awesome. You like it better. Well, the other ones suck ass. Yes, as we've bad. gone over, there's, <laughs> a, very there's a gold GI Joe in, in in a glass vase for all of them that you can't even see. Uh, this MJ one, it looks pretty sick. That's cool. It does it look is cool. cool. It just looks great. And I miss the old one already. But hey, moving forward, these guys holding this up, Joel Embiid before Game Three in front of his Philadelphia fans when they hand it to him, Tass, and he holds it high in the air. You don't think that's going to happen? I still do. Well, no, the calculus changed for me. I thought Boston would be running with this series, running away with it. That oh. was. Oh, okay, okay. So you think that yeah. in get winning game one? Oh, that that played a factor. Yeah, <laughs> oh. Boston owns their ass, and not anymore, I guess. Uh, so I think that that changed it. Uh, I think Joel Embiid will make a joke in front of the Philadelphia fans about the Process. trophy looking naked. Uh, I think he'll make. <laughs> it does sound like something he would do. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, and, and you did slip it in there. I don't want to gloss over it. He's playing tonight. I guess Sham says after, you know, they go off the air on TNT when he wins the award. What, he turned around and said, I'm back. I'm back. There you go. So uh, That's pretty amazing. he should be playing tonight. Uh, on track to return, barring setbacks. Okay. <laughs> don't drop the trophy on your foot. No, no, no. It looks, it's it's 23.6 pounds, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Great call. Exactly right. Light, Precisely yeah. right. All right, let's get to this uh, other piece of news here. From Shams uh, at The Athletic, the Memphis Grizzlies have informed pending unrestricted free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances. That was Shams' tweet, under any circumstances. Now, Brooks had a disappointing ser- series, no doubt. He shot 31.2% from the floor in that first-round series. And he created all these distractions, calling LeBron old, declaring he pokes bears, uh, and then just sort of shit in the bed here uh, as they lose that first-round series. But what did you think about this tweet from Shams? Um, the under any circumstances, and we are basically, we are done with you. Get out of here, man. I don't think I've ever heard that. Uh, a team, a team being that vocal, that clear, that concise. You ain't coming back, and they're making it known to the rest of the organization, to the rest of the league, that this is a serious organization, and next year is going to be different. And Taylor Jenkins said as much. We have to be more professional, and you know John Morant has, has said as much. So Dylan Brooks. Played himself, unfortunately. Um, this He's 27 years old, and he could have been signed pretty cheaply, I think, as a a guy to go with Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, and that would have been great for them as well. I think it could have been a, a great situation. He's not old, um, and he fits, and he could have been cheap. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're making it clear that they ain't effing around anymore, and this is a serious organization. After this season, it felt like something needed to change, yeah. and the two guys who are most emblematic of the Grizzlies' general way of going about things are John Morant and Dylan Brooks, and John Morant ain't going anywhere. <laughs> um, so I think that you look at what's happened with Dylan Brooks, if it was just his antics on and off the court, and he played well, that would be fine. If he played well and didn't have the antics on it, or if he was just a defender, and didn't shoot the ball incredibly well, probably fine if he's not doing the stuff off the court as well. But the fact that it's both of them and the fact that the season ended pretty meekly for the Grizzlies, something had to change. It does feel a little 
extra harsh, though, to, to like come out and say we are absolutely getting rid of this guy. It's 100% him that was the problem is kind of how it reads to me. So, I don't know. The guy was a massive part of their team for a couple of seasons yeah. here. And they do need to change, I think. But it just feels a little icky the way they're going about it. According to Tim McMahon, uh, Brooks repeatedly mentioned his reduced role this season during his exit interview, which he eventually did with the Memphis media. Um, he said, quote, I don't think I lost anything on the offensive end. I was just there to 3 and D, shoot and play defense. I got way more to my game than that. There's also reports that he maybe wants a contract like in the $25 million range, which seems like insane okay. to me. So <laughs> okay. maybe this, you know, is a part of the equation here, though. I agree with Trey. The part where it's just like, get the hell out of here, man. It was very Logan Roy F off. Uh, <laughs> a little odd. I mean, the guy had a bad series. He had a bad year. And he did a bunch of boneheaded things, but he wasn't the only one in your organization uh, doing that. So to bury the dude like this, a little perplexing to me. Uh, you could have just obviously let him go and move off of him, uh, and nothing really changes outside that. I, will it be any blowback from other players, how they think about the organization? Probably not. But I wonder how, what impact this has on Brooks uh, trying to sign another team. Is he going to have to like rehabilitate his sort of NBA career here, like take a one-year deal, like pretty cheap? I mean, we've seen guys do it. You know, Schroeder somewhat recently, like to sort of like, oh, I don't worry, um, I'll leave all the bullshit aside and I can contribute to a team. Like, is this what he's gonna have to do, or do you think someone's gonna be like, no, we can deal with this guy, <laughs> in in our system at least? What do you think? Yeah, I think it'll be a one-year deal, to be honest. Yeah, uh, and I do think he, after reading his exit interviews, uh, that he wanted a huge chunk of change. So that was a part of it. He didn't necessarily have to say under any circumstances he ain't coming back. Uh, but at that number, uh, <laughs> right. why would he come back? It doesn't really make sense. He's, he struggled shooting the ball. So, uh, yeah, there's somebody who's going to take a chance. I don't know how much they're going to pay uh, Dylan Brooks. Um, yeah, he wants 25. That's what, that's the, what you're saying? That's like, what the reports are. Looking I mean, now, it's seems... like... 25 million gets you Jalen Brunson, DeMar DeRozan, Al Horford, Draymond Green, Julius Randle. Some signed on previous uh, contracts, yeah. so so the numbers look low, but you can get a pretty good player for $25 million. So, I don't know. Maybe we scroll down a little bit more here to the 10 to $15 million range. Zubats, Reggie Bullock, DeAndre Jordan, not a great one. Bobby Portis, that's a good one. That seems to be more in the range to me, something like 10 to $12 yeah. million. And then... Like, it's okay to bench him, right? You're like, if you're shooting three for 13, we'll sit you down. But a team should definitely take a chance on Dylan Brooks. He's played in playoff games. He is going to play defense. He's not scared to take a shot, even if sometimes you want him to be scared. <laughs> but he'll probably be additive to whichever team he goes to next, I think. Yeah, I'm not buying any of this, like, uh, oh, Dylan Brooks is going to be playing in China next year. I don't buy that at all. He's be He's better than a lot of players in the league. You can hate him all you want. He's got the most punchable face in the league. We've said that for about a decade now. But he's still good. Uh, you you wish he sort of shut his mouth at times. Maybe he will, though. Maybe he's learned his lesson. Got, he, you know, he went from sort of being a great villain to suddenly a complete clown. Uh, he played himself. But maybe he's done with that. And if he is, I think he's still a good player. And uh, I think a team would be wise, especially if you can get him for the cheap. To, to add him to a roster, and maybe again he re rehabilitates his career a little bit here. I don't I don't think he's going to be out of the league because I'm seeing people say that. I mean, I'm hearing you know Shaq saying that, other players saying that, like oh he might be done. I get uh, I get I get it that you wouldn't want a headache, but if he lets that go, <laughs> well, like he had been prior to the last four months. I mean, he yeah. was he was as you said a big part of the team. He scored like 18 points a game last season. Like it's he's. I mean, he had a good year last year. Not last he year. had a bad, bad year this year. Yeah, 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 very bad. And yeah, that's part of he probably, as he said, he he. I don't know if he's going to be willing to let go that he thinks he's got a bigger role in this yeah, league. Like no, when that's... that's going to happen? Like if he could be a bit player on a good team, it obviously didn't work here. Could he go be a Kelly Oubre and score twenty a game and? be on a terrible team yes <laughs> mm. he, he could do that hornets need defense <laughs> <laughs> michael jordan might like the moxie of this guy <laughs> you better learn carolina buddy <laughs> uh yeah grizzlies vp of basketball operations zach Kleiman. he told reporters on sunday the franchise is going to be very aggressive in the offseason those were his words very aggressive 
they have a lot of draft capital to play with. I think they have five first-round picks and three pick swaps if they want to to utilize in any prospective trade. So um, it sounds like they're like, we got to pretend this year never happened. <laughs> it got away from us, even though we were the second seed. And uh, l- let's go. We still have, obviously, two, three really talented young guys in John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. I would love to hear the meeting that they had with the PR people saying, we got to get under any circumstances in this press release. Or did Shams just put that? This is the part. I mean, it's not like he didn't quote it to yeah. Zach Kleiman or to anyone in the Grizzlies organization. I believe Shams was told from the Grizzlies organization. From someone. We don't, we ain't, hey, he ain't coming back here. First off, you heard how much money he wants. Also, we're tired of his bullshit. Also, we want to get him away from John Morant. That's another part of this equation that, you know, who knows? Yeah, it's a good point, but it so, just it feels like maybe it's coming from Shams and maybe because it's definitely real that it came from the mouth of the Grizzlies, unless it's a real Kendall Roy meeting with the PR person <laughs> and saying, huh, let's, let's bury Logan. Mm-hmm. He's already dead. I mean, let's, let's really yeah. just throw that in there. I think it was cousin Greg that told Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see Dylan Sneaky. Brooks uh, call their bluff. <laughs> Say I'll play for a dollar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> do it. <laughs> you can't stop. Not that bad for you. <laughs> Still got the jerseys. I'll play for free. Yeah, do it. Show up. <laughs> do it, Brooks. Technical uh, every game. Six men on the court. Yeah, we didn't ask him. He's <laughs> not ours. He's not actually on our team. Uh, all right, final piece of news here. Suns, uh, Chris Paul, his status is in doubt for games three and four, maybe even games five, if necessary, uh, against the Nuggets because of a left groin strain. He appeared uh, to sustain that injury in the uh, the last game after battling to box out KCP there late in the third quarter. Checked out, immediately went to the locker room. Suns have him listed as day-to-day, but, uh, you know, by, from Shams and Woj, we're hearing basically a week here to be reevaluated. So that means he's going to miss a couple games and uh, possibly as many as three, it sounds like. Can, he, they, uh, can they still pull this off? This I, th- I think they can. He was not playing well. I think that was clear. He, he had a, was having a good third quarter when he got injured. There is no doubt. But through the first six quarters, he wasn't, quite, he wasn't himself. He had 11 points in the first game. He did have an eight-point third quarter. When he was hurt, but that's coming off a zero point first half. So I, I of course, the the moxie is nice <laughs> to have out there, but the point guards right now on this team are Booker and Durant, especially because they create so much space. So those are the guys who are kind of running the offense, and and Chris Paul was helping out. Campaign, unfortunately, they don't have a steady backup right now. Campaign is not the same guy who helped them get to the finals and started a couple games in the finals two years ago. Uh, he's He is banged up, although in uh, game two, he looked more like himself, which can be bad. You know, one for he seven. He looked like himself from the Bulls run. <laughs> yeah, he's shooting too much. But that's what I do think putting him into the starting lineup, which I assume they will, may just slow him down a bit. He won't shoot every time. <laughs> because he's playing with Durant. Because you know he's going to get some minutes. <laughs> That's good. Uh, the other guy. That is good. But he can he play worse than than Chris Paul? Like I know Chris, Chris Paul, Paul came through in the Clippers series. Chris Paul was still their best series. like plus minus player in the playoffs. I know he was not like lights out Chris Paul, but more is he's still a positive, especially Against when you think about their bench. Against the Clippers, yeah. he was rocking. Yeah. Uh, game one, he looked a little slow. He was. I don't know if he's willing to pull the shots that need to be pulled <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they, they need to shoot around him uh, uh, shoot around Durant and Booker uh, listen I don't know if campaign is going to be able to do it they're yeah, they're in a bad spot mm-hmm. there's no doubt well, yeah, especially because you're just asking really Devin Booker and, and, and to some extent Durant but Booker because he's sort of the point guard nominal point guard yeah do more do more, man. Exactly. It doesn't matter about campaign. Like yeah. you just hope he doesn't kill you what needs to happen is that Kevin Durant needs to stop being nice he needs to fit out and not fit in he's just chilling too much he makes Booker better just by being out there, but Booker, as of yet, has not made KD better. KD should not be the number two guy on this team. Devin Booker is the number one guy because he has been there, and everything is built around him. The playbook is built around him, but you just got to let KD cook and try to get you 40 points because that's how the Suns are going to win this game is by slowing it down uh, and by just trying to outshoot the Nuggets and not turning the ball over. So I think... KD's got to keep his turnovers down. Booker's got to keep his turnovers down. That's a huge place where they're going to miss Chris Paul. He only had one turnover in these first two games. But those two guys just got to completely ball out to have any sort of chance in games three and four. And they got to win both games three and four, I kind of think. Yeah. Trey Kirby calling for the uh, 
2012 Nike ad slogan. That's Katie right. is not nice. Wasn't that's right. That a thing back in the day. That's right. Uh, Don't fit out, fit in. That's also also <laughs> good stuff there. Uh, I think campaign's gonna have a a good game at some point. They could use <laughs> what it. a prediction. They need anyone. Uh, but I, 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 <laughs> shots. It could be Lee. It could be Payne. It, yeah. Will we ever How about see a 20 Warren? point game from Aiden? Sure, that'd be yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, but, they but, need they, they need to have. Somebody help out those two guys. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Uh, besides Jokic and Murray, Aaron Gordon has been the best third option, beating out Aiton or Chris Paul. Down the line, Michael Porter's been better than whoever it is, Aiton or Chris Paul. And then KCP has been better than Akogi. Bruce Brown has been the best bench player out of anybody. So they just, they're getting a lot. Mm-hmm. from those guys uh i wouldn't well unless Aiton just goes to work on the boards and gets him all his points that way feels like sometimes chris paul's the only person that passes to deandre Aiton and can actually get him involved in action so <laughs> that is also true now he's gone so we'll see uh it's a must win game three no doubt uh whoever's playing for the suns they gotta step up uh when do they play um when july the, august friday friday, friday, friday yeah. oh okay it's friday Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Okay, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet, ah. Yeah, Tweet of the Night, it's a bit of a weird one, I'm not going to lie. The NBA Twitter account shared a video of all the celebrities who were at the Garden last night for Game 2. Hashtag NBA Celebro. Uh, You know, we had uh, some pretty famous people. You got Mike Myers there. Rubbing his hat. <laughs> that was a funny bit. <laughs> Wonder how he felt about the Leafs. Uh, Roger Federer, uh, you know Chris Rock, a bunch of Knicks legends, as we talked about, Melo and Camby. And uh, you saw at the beginning there of this clip, Jessica Alba. There she is, sitting courtside. And the tweet of the night goes to Kevin O'Connor, who replied to the NBA tweet, I'm a lifelong Jessica Alba fan. <laughs> <laughs> and that... Made me laugh so much last night. I was giggling when I woke up this morning. Still thinking about it. I just love the earnesty from Kevin O'Connor. Though, love the replies to Kevin O'Connor's tweet too. Kevin O'Smitten. Kevin O'Thirsty. Kevin O'Horndog. He's an Alba fan. And I can't blame you, man. But what a great... Hilarious tweet. <laughs> I'm a lifelong, I'm a lifelong Jessica Alba Jessica fan. Alba I, fan. I love KOC, but uh, yeah, that's tweet of the night. What's, uh, what's your All favorite right. thing Jessica Alba's ever been in? When she's swimming uh, that one time. I like her. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> what, uh, what exactly. Is that? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I like her mom brand. She, she makes Wait, mom stuff. Exa- her mom brand is incredible. That's what Honest she does. Honest Company is so she looks good. amazing still. I don't know how old she is. 42, okay. She's my age. Uh, what is she in? Honestly, give me a movie show. It wasn't Ex- Sharknado. Exactly. Oh, it Into the City. Blue. Into the Blue. <laughs> Sin City is uh, my favorite Jessica Alba movie, I would have to say. Oh, she's in Sin City. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this is good news for the New York Knickerbockers. Because Jessica Alba, the last time I remember seeing her sitting courtside... Yeah, when was it? We Believe Warriors. Oh. Cash Warren. They went to school with Baron Davis, if I'm not mistaken. Her oh, I remember uh, that. At the time. I don't know if they're still together, but she was sitting courtside, and they beat the Mavericks. Good stuff for the Knicks. Oh, We mm. Believe Knicks. Uh, did you ever watch the movie Honey? <laughs> yes. 
I imagine that's when Kevin O'Connor became a Jessica Alba fan. Kevin O'Honey. <laughs> Kevin O'Horny, you're right. <laughs> on Maine? Come on, buddy. <laughs> oh, what a great tweet. Oh, it made me smile so much last night. Uh, that's Tweet of the Night. That's uh, hopefully another classic edition of the No Dunks Podcast. You tell us, though. Let us know with your five-star ratings and reviews. Five-star Friday is this Friday. It is the first Friday of the month. That's right. On wake the up, Drop Podcast. Up. So uh, if you haven't already, you got a couple days here to get your uh, reviews in on Apple Podcasts. So do that, and maybe you'll get a shout-out from Trey Kirby on Friday's pod. And if you are listening or really watching here on YouTube, hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Uh, until tomorrow, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, best character in Into the Blue, <laughs> Scuba Bob. The fish? Uh. <laughs> Scuba Bob. what his name was. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, Scuba Bob. Embrace the name, people. <laughs>